Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to mini episode 166 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have six spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from the 30th of January 2022. And story number one comes from Anonymous. My family has always struggled with spirits. We have always had a strange connection to the dead and it was never fun. A personal experience I've had with a spirit, demon, I don't know what it was, but it was evil. I was young around nine years old maybe, and I was living with my grandmother, my aunt and my cousins. The house we all lived in was built in the late 1800s, so who knows what went on in this house. It was around 2 or 3am, and my cousin and I were going upstairs to take a bath, and yes, we were up late because we never listened to go to bed when we were told. So we went up to go to the bath, and the hall light didn't work so we had a flashlight. We were walking up the steps and we looked and saw a very tall black shadow. Well, at least I saw it. I guess my cousin didn't. I started to freak out. And we never ended up having a bath. But that's not even the worst part of it. I went to go to sleep and I was laying down almost asleep. And I loved getting tickled to fall asleep. I was falling asleep and I started to feel a hand start to lightly tickle the bottom of my foot. I didn't think anything of it until I looked and there was nothing there. People will think it was a bug or fluff or something but it went on for around five minutes. I tried to go back to sleep and I finally did until I woke up to the feeling of not being able to move or talk. I kept my eyes closed and I heard the most blood-curdling scream I'd ever heard in my life. It sounded like a woman getting murdered. I opened my eyes and I saw the same man as before but he was taller He had a top hat and a coat on. I closed my eyes and started trying to move parts of my body to fully gain consciousness and be able to move. I woke up my aunt and told her that I saw a man and then out of nowhere the TV started making the worst noise. It started freaking out. The whole screen went grey and fuzzy. Then it stopped just out of the blue. I know a lot of people won't believe me and I understand why you wouldn't but I'm telling you this actually happened and I'm still living in the same house this took place in, and I still see things all around the house, especially shadows. Like Anonymous, one of my bestest best friends, loves being tickled. She loves anybody like tickling the inside of her arm, makes her really relaxed, makes her fall asleep. I don't know, man, each to their own. I find it bizarre, but there are people in my life who also love being tickled, so there you go. And surely though, surely, Hatman, big old demon from another dimension or whatever he is, has better things to be doing 
than tickling someone's feet in the middle of the night. I'm sorry. The more I hear about Hatman, the more I think that he does need to find a new hobby. Because it's uncool. Like two kids, eight or nine years old, whatever, going up to get into the bath. Hatman's there. Kid lying in bed at night time, gets their feet tickled. Hatman. Hatman scaring kids in the middle of the night. Just get, get over yourself, Hatman. Do something else with your time. Take up knitting. Make some nice jumpers. I don't know. Apply to go on the Great British Bake Off. I just feel like there's better things you could be doing with your time. I'm sorry, there is. And story number two comes from Vic. When I was 11, we went to stay at Alton Castle with the school. Outside our dorm room, there was a statue of St. Bernadette and the Virgin Mary. This was across the lawn and you could only see it standing at the window. One of the nights I rolled over towards the window and there was a shadow next to my bed. I'm positive it was Mary as the outline had gowns on. I got out of bed and got into bed with one of my friends. Everyone else brushed it off as they were asleep. I will never forget the fear I felt that night. I still to this day don't know what it was. I'm pretty sure prerequisite of the Virgin Mary is she's not supposed to be super scary. The whole concept of the Virgin Mary is like she's full of love and light and all that jazz. So again, her rocking up beside your bed, gowns or no gowns, it's not on. If you are a divine apparition, then you need to figure out a way to not terrify the shit out of the people that you are appearing to. And story number three comes from Sarah. My husband Martin and I love horror movies and we have a fascination with the paranormal. That being said, we are both very sceptical and we don't really believe in ghosts, etc. As such, if anything happens or we get told any stories, we always find ways to try and explain them away or we just ignore them. I have a few stories I've been told by family members that I've never really come up with an explanation for, partly because of who told them to me. The first of these is from my granddad. He's 94 now. He's always been a sensible, no-nonsense sort of man. But he told me this story when I was a teenager and it did freak me out a bit. He said when he was a young man in his late teens, he had a girlfriend that lived a bit out of town and he used to walk to her house and try and thumb a lift if he could. I think this would have been in the 1930s or 1940s, so actually it wasn't as common to see so many cars. One night he'd been to his girlfriend's house. He left late in the evening and began walking home. He hadn't been walking long when he heard a car, so he signalled to see if it would stop and pick him up and it did. There was a man driving and he stopped and agreed to give my granddad a lift home. My granddad got in the car and the man introduced himself. They chatted about this and that on the way back into town and the man dropped my granddad off outside of his family home. When my granddad got out of the car, he turned around and leant in to say goodbye and thank you. As he did, he noticed an old woman sitting in the back seat of the car directly behind where he had been sitting. She was sitting stiffly upright, staring straight ahead. He was shocked and it made him jump a bit. He had not noticed her as he got into the car. The man who had been chatting with him the whole way did not acknowledge or introduce her and she had not said anything the whole journey. He said goodbye and the man drove off. He's still not sure to this day if the woman was really there or if she was a ghost. The second story involves my dad and my grandparents. Again, my dad does not believe in anything paranormal and he is a very pragmatic and sensible man. He grew up in a bungalow with my grandparents. One night, as a child... My dad woke up in the night to the sound of someone in the back garden. He says that he could hear someone walking around on the path in what sounded like hobnail boots. 
and it sounded like they were tearing up wads of grass every now and then. He was scared as he lay listening for a while, too worried to look out the window. Eventually, he plucked up his courage and peeked through the curtains. He breathed a sigh of relief and opened his curtains further because what he saw outside was a sheep wandering around on the path and pulling up wads of grass with its mouth to munch on. He went into my grandparents' room at the front of the house and woke them to tell them that there was a sheep in the back garden. My grandparents remember this happening, so he definitely wasn't dreaming and he wasn't a sleepwalker. But seeing as they didn't live particularly in a rural neighbourhood and there weren't many sheep around, and also because they knew the back garden could not be accessed due to the locked gates, they told him not to be silly and to go back to bed. My dad went back to bed. The sheep was still there, but now that he knew what it was, it didn't scare him. So he closed the curtains again and went back to sleep, thinking that in the morning his parents would see the sheep or at least evidence of the sheep. When he woke in the morning, the sheep was gone. There was no evidence, no sheep droppings or anything, and both of the gates were still locked from the inside, so there is no way anyone or any sheep could have gotten in or out of the garden. My grandma still wishes to this day that she had gotten out of bed to see the sheep. I guess neither of those stories are that scary, and maybe they can be explained away but I know they've stuck with my grandparents and my dad for their whole lives and still remain a mystery to them. I don't know about you, but I think phantom woman in the back of the car that you're hitchhiking in is pretty scary. I'd be pretty freaked out. I'd be thinking, if it's real, why is she just sitting there staring straight ahead and why did he not introduce her or just say, oh yeah, uh, the lady in the back of my car is my mother or my sister or whoever it was. And we know that stories about phantom hitchhikers and stories about phantom people being in cars are really common all over the world so maybe your granddad really did experience a phantom hitchhiker and as for the second story I don't think we've ever had a phantom sheep before I think that's the first time we've had a phantom sheep and I'm pretty impressed it's a pretty good first to have was he sleepwalking though like was it a really vivid moment of sleepwalking so he was still half asleep when he opened the curtains and saw the sheep and then by the time he'd gotten into his grandparents' bedroom, he'd woken up a bit. But then I suppose he went back to his room and saw the sheep again. Surely he would have woken up enough by that point that if the sheep was a figment of his imagination, he'd have stopped seeing it. And why phantom sheep? And if there was a sheep in your garden overnight, there would definitely be sheep poo that would be left behind. Definitely. Or there would be some evidence that the sheep was there, for sure. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And story number four comes from Luke. 
I lost my iPhone recently and I had to start using a burner phone. The phone has no flash. It's an old Nokia with no torch function and no internet connection. I have no pre-existing conditions that could affect my cognition or memory function in any way. I woke up yesterday morning on the 27th of January 2022 and had a browse of the old photos on the old phone that I had taken around eight or nine years ago when I last needed a burner. The photos all loaded up normally, when suddenly a new one popped up as the latest entry. It was a photo of my bedroom taken from what seems to be around my eye line in the bed. What's strangest about this is there is a bright flash on the duvet cover that emanates from the direction of the camera. This bright light even danced across the curtains at the far side of the room. Confused, I decided to look at the timestamp of the photo. I finally managed to find a submenu that showed me this information. The date? The 1st of January 2010. The time? Midnight exactly. I knew the photo was strange because it had my new duvet cover in it. I had only bought that last year, and I haven't used this burner phone since 2014. The unsettling thing is all the dates on all the other photos are correct. I had taken a photo of my cat on the previous day on the 26th of January 2022 just for fun. I decided that I would test the ostensible glitch by taking another photo. This photo showed up normally with the correct date. What boggles the mind though is that the cursed bedroom photo moved itself to the top of the list as if it were the most recent. I sat with my sister and we tried to rationalise this, but what remains a mystery is the bright flash seemingly coming from the phone. There are no other electronics or lights on in my room at night and the burner phone is always thrown on the nightstand out of reach when I go to sleep. Anyway, I would send the photo over but it caused me such distress that I deleted it and immediately did a sage cleanse of the house. That is my worst nightmare. Sometimes people ask me if I get freaked out by stories or if I can't sleep at night because of stories. And generally, no. Like, generally, I don't really think twice about them. I finish recording an episode. I move on to the next thing. I put it all out of my mind. But this is the type of story that would stay with me. Because the fear of waking up and having pictures of you or your bedroom that you know you didn't take on your phone scares the bejesus out of me. It reminds me of that. Is it a no sleep story, maybe, about the guy who was camping and was taking pictures along the way and then when he got the pictures developed like the last five or six pictures were pictures of him asleep in the tent (gasps) that had obviously been taken by somebody else or something else that had gone into the tent in the middle of the night so I'm very sorry Luke this is not helpful to your feelings of fear about this but I would be shitting myself if I had a picture like that on my phone for sure especially on an old Nokia because they weren't known for being glitchy phones they were known for being pretty indestructible and pretty like straightforward. So sorry Luke, you're obviously haunted. And story number five comes from Tanya. From the ages of birth until four, my mum, my dad and I lived in a dark, dingy flat. It was always cold, and with very little money, my mum and I would spend most days in the kitchen with the oven door open to keep us warm. Once my dad got home from work, We would sit in the living room with the tiny bit of coal my mum had divided out for each day for our fire. I felt safe in there, but always felt petrified when I needed to use the toilet, as the corridor to it was scary. 
I had my own bedroom but rarely slept in there as I was always frightened and when I did sleep, my mum would say she would hear me sleep talking and then sleepwalking and I'd be in a really distressed state. She told me years later that I used to say I was talking to the old man. My nanny and grandy paid to have the room wallpapered. I remembered the paper had rabbits on it and how I loved them. But within a few days, mould and moisture was seeping through it and my mum decided that she didn't want me to sleep in there anymore, so I slept in at my parents'. All through these early years, there was a lot of domestic violence from my dad towards my mum and I. The only escape we had was when we were in the kitchen together playing silly games. In the late 70s, it was different. And at three and a half, my mum let me play outside the kitchen in a huge, vast area of grass, which was meant to be communal gardens. Because I was so young, the few kids that lived there knew me so well, and I the same. One particular day that I will never forget... I was playing pretend tea parties with my doll and I saw a boy who must have been around 10. He was in a t-shirt and shorts and a girl with brown long hair who seemed a bit younger than age. As a three-year-old, it was hard to know ages, but a guess from my memory would say around eight. I remember being so excited to see these new faces and they both said, come and play with us. It felt like hours we played. They both sat on the grass and we all drank our invisible tea in our invisible teacups together, giggling. I knew I was safe with them. And for the first time, there was no fear or feeling scared, like I always did in the flat. The next thing I heard, my mum calling me. Tanya, it's time for lunch. I looked at my new friends and begged them to wait for me so we could carry on playing. They promised me they would. I still remember the exact lunch I had, mince, gravy and mash. Yuck. But I wolfed it down so I could go back out and when I did, they were gone. I sobbed and sobbed looking for them. I told my mum years later and she said she also remembered that day so clearly as well. She watched me through the kitchen window as I sat on the grass with my precious tiny tears doll for a couple of hours chatting away on my own. It was unusual for me to play alone as I never liked to and she swore blind I was on my own that day, and she remembered how I cried so hard for my friends. I still remember their faces. We later learned that the previous tenant, an elderly man, had died in what went on to be my bedroom, and his body wasn't found straight away. My mum said no matter how much she'd cleaned the walls in there, the mould would be back within hours. She couldn't wait to leave there. Eventually we moved away to a town an hour away into a lovely house. It felt so huge and grand compared to the home that we had come from. By this time my sister had been born and was a toddler and I was nearly five. Fear still ruled our lives from our dad, so I was very clingy towards my mum. Bedtimes, however, were the most petrifying time, even worse than my dad's fists hitting us. I had my own room and I hated it. I tried to fall asleep, but I couldn't. I was terrified of the shapes that stood in the doorway of my bedroom each night. They were dark shadow-like figures. No eyes, but I knew they were looking, staring at me. Fuzzy lines were around them, and they were all different heights, but the big ones scared me the most. I'd shut my eyes, pull the blankets up to my neck, and drip with sweat from fear. I knew they wanted to get into my room, but I wouldn't let them. Most of my childhood was me being constantly tired from the same thing every night. 
Sometimes I would scream out for my mum, then get told to go back to sleep and stop playing up. No one would believe me, so I kept quiet. As I got older, it was still the same in the house with the violence and the dark shadow people. I had many other issues to deal with from my childhood, but this always stayed. I look back and realise that I had always seen and felt things that others hadn't, but I kept quiet about a lot of it because I thought I wouldn't be believed. Over the years, I've had vivid dreams of murders, which have haunted me because I felt the pain from the victims. And some are so terrifying, especially when it's a child and I'm feeling their fear in my dream. All of these dreams have then come true. One stayed with me. I could see a little girl who looked Spanish, a beautiful little thing in a swimming suit. The next part of the dream, she was face down on a sandbank. Her hair was matted slightly and I knew she was dead. A week or so later, I saw on the news a little girl had gone missing in Portugal and they had found her body in her swimming costume and she had been murdered. I had felt every part of her fear and I cried so much because it had really happened. I still cannot to this day comprehend why I have these dreams, especially when there is nothing I can do to save the person. Are they communicating with me? I don't know. As I write this now, my dogs keep jumping up as we seem to have a fairly new visitor in our house. I've lived here 23 years, and only in the last month things have happened. My daughter's boyfriend heard a little girl calling out daddy, and another night I called to my new puppy who was on the landing. Are you okay, buddy? I heard a little girl say, yeah, I'm okay. I thought, what the fuck? Something was walking around upstairs. So I said, piss off, this is my house. But the more I think about it, I do think it's a little girl. I don't know if she has any connection to me or my boyfriend, who told me he seems to collect spirits, so maybe he's brought her to my house. But for now, I'm keeping quiet. I don't mind this visitor. That just sounds horrendous. Like, to be living in fear already because of domestic violence in the household, and then to go to bed at night time and still be living in fear. It's just so unfair. It's so unfair for a child. I mean, we already know that kids can see imaginary friends, right? We already know that. We've established it. We're taking it as fact at this point that kids can just see dead kids and we think of them as imaginary friends and we're all okay with that. We're cool with it. The dreams bit is really scary though. Like really scary. And I don't know what you'd do with that power, that ability either. I know a woman who... um genuinely helped to solve a murder through a dream. I have a whole episode planned on on it at a later date um, about mediums who help solve murders. But there are people who, you know, who have these prophetic dreams or what seem to be prophetic dreams. And I don't really know what you do with it. You know, you if you are somebody who dreams that you see the body of a child in Portugal, where do you go with that information, you know? And story number six comes from Hannah. The first story is about my mom more than it is about me, considering I wasn't born yet when all of this happened. I think this story is less ghostly or scary and more comforting. All of these events took place in the mid-90s. My mom used to have a friend called Susan, and they were best friends. Susan had an older sister called Sam. Susan was my mom's age and Sam was slightly older, but they were all friends and the three of them would spend time together regularly. One day, Susan and Sam stayed the night at my mom's house. Mom took them both home the next morning, and when she dropped them off, she could tell something wasn't right. 
Not long into my mom's trip back home, she got a call from Susan. Susan was crying so hysterically that mom couldn't understand anything that she was saying. But somehow mom knew to go to the hospital. She didn't know which wing or any details at all, but somehow the first place she pulled up, she found Susan and Sam. When my mom dropped them off that night, Susan and Sam came home to a horrific scene. Their father had shot their mother and then turned the gun on himself. Some years later, tragically, Susan passed away in a car accident around the age of 18 or 19. My mom has this picture of her and Susan laying on the floor with their heads together. And every time mom tells me a story about Susan, I think of this picture. Around the year 2005, a year or two after Susan had passed away, before smartphones were huge on my iAd, before you could electronically connect your smartphone to a printer to print out a photo, Mom was at home one day, as she frequently worked from home when I was a newborn, and her printer started making noises. When my mom went over to the printer, the photo of her and Susan was printing out. I'll also add the original photo was never on a digital camera or a cell phone. It was taken on a film camera, and the picture was developed, and the film camera was broken. There is no logical reason why this picture could have ever been on any digital device of any kind, let alone printing from an at-home office printer. Mom still has the photo that she took out of the printer of her and Susan, and it occasionally pops up from time to time. My second story I've heard countless times in my life, and I've heard stories on your podcast that remind me of this. I was blessed with the opportunity to meet my great-great-grandmother, I've always called her Nanny, before she passed away from this earth. I don't think I was but a year old when she passed away, but I still remember everything about her and not just from pictures. I remember that I would always touch her nose and I remember the way it was shaped. I remember the way she smelled and I remember that she had a red sofa in her living room. Also not from pictures, just from pure memory. I like to think that she's my guardian angel. Before I was even born, she called me her angel. My mom said that as soon as she told my nanny that she was pregnant, nanny knew that I was going to be a girl. Not long before my nanny passed away, my mom took me to the hospital to see her and Nanny told my mom that there were angels all around the room and they were all pointing at me. She passed away a few days later. I've seen angels in my dreams before and I don't know why. It's not a sleep paralysis thing. I just see angels sometimes when I dream. I don't see them in familiar places and I'm able to move freely in these dreams and I see the angels through a first-person point of view. When I do see the angels in my dreams, it's very distinct. I see bright, white, translucent, human-shaped figures with wings. I'm assuming they're in a field, because I associate the colours green and blue with these dreams. Everything other than the angels is fuzzy. All of the colours are very vibrant to my recollection, but the shapes are not distinct other than the angels. I like to think this is what the afterlife looks like, peaceful beyond description. Hopefully somebody else has experienced similar dreams to mine, or else I'm going to think I'm crazy. I don't think you should ever worry about dreams being abnormal or your dreams making you crazy because I think that dreams by their very nature are crazy. They're muddled, they don't really serve any function a lot of the time, they're just random bits of information and I think that if you worry too much about whether or not somebody has similar dreams or whether or not what you're dreaming is actually real or true then you're going to end up tying yourself up in knots with all your dreams. Like your mom with Susan and you with your great-grandmother, I just think there are people who have connections. They have 
big connections that are go beyond a normal human connection. Maybe they're like spiritual connections. I don't know. But there are people who have connections. I love stories like Susan's story where this picture printed out for no reason at all. And I totally get it. Like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, there was no reason to have digital copies of pictures because you took them on your on your camera, you got them printed out and you kept the printed copies or even probably longer, 25 years ago now at this stage. And there was no reason to have digital copies of things. And then for that to print out on its own, oh, I would be absolutely seeing that as a sign for sure. Take comfort in it and take comfort in having a guardian angel or take comfort in having people who are out there looking after you. Thank you so much to Anonymous, Vic, Sarah, Luke, Tarnia and Hannah for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from the 30th of January 2022. And if you would like to learn anything about Real Life Ghost Stories podcast, you can check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. If you would like to sign up for Patreon, where you can access tons of extra content, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash Stories, where for $5 a month and $2 a month, you get access to lots of extra content, but also every single main and mini episode ad free and on that note i shall see you next time 